0: Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOOnline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at ko-online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every Thursday, we chat with a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey in the world of martial arts and and anything else we end up chatting about. Uh, this one might actually be one of my shortest intros yet. My guest, well, he tells me he's pretty boring, so I guess we're going to find that out for sure. Uh, he's married with no kids, lived and worked in LA for 28 years, and relocated this past summer to Raleigh, North Carolina. In addition to being a martial artist, he's also a podcaster. Please welcome to the show, Ando. How are you doing today, sir?
1: As you said, it's an honor to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
0: No, I, I appreciate I appreciate your time, and what we do with with my guests uh, the first thing we do is jump into the beginning i want to know where that first spark was where was that first interest in martial arts where did it come from and kind of what what made you want to get involved with
1: it absolutely and thus begins the boring tale <laughs> <laughs> A tale that you've probably heard many times by now as a podcaster. Um, Yeah, I saw Bruce Lee, and I just thought, holy smokes, Uh, I'm an insecure young man, and that guy looks very confident. He's in great shape. I'm not a big guy. He's not a big guy, but he's just got so much confidence uh, and so much body control. How did he do that? And martial arts seems to be his methodology, so I, therefore, must get into martial arts to uh acquire that kind of confidence and control so um that's that's what started it absolutely
0: so do you remember what where you was it uh like enter the dragon was it
1: uh you know say was- yes because once once you see one there must have been some uh film festival on tv so they might have been playing two or three in a row but definitely enter the dragon was where he was at his calmest and coolest and uh the most professional of the movies i mean and to be fair I, i'm not a real fan of the movies right uh the fight, are all kind of silly and all that but again just as an individual I just thought wow this guy I could be like this guy <laughs> I can't be like Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger at the time there's so many other people <laughs> that I thought were cool but I did not see myself walking in those shoes but Bruce for some reason I just thought there was something accessible there like I can see this guy's a hard worker and he's working against the odds he's the underdog here but he is making it work and uh, that's that's what I've got to get into so that led to uh, finding that book series at the time Bruce Lee's fighting method mm. and there were four volumes of that so that was my first bible I went and I found those books at a boxing gym a bookstore kind of slash bookstore they had some books in the front of this boxing place and I bought those books and then retreated to my garage and I figured I can I can get all this myself I don't need to <laughs> go to a school at the time I didn't have a car or any money anyway so I'll, I just thought I'd make a dojo out of my uh out of my garage so with some friends and some gloves it was going pretty well actually for a couple of years I thought this is not so bad. I'm getting flexible and strong. I bought a kung fu outfit. I thought <laughs> I was making real progress. But then I saw uh, Above the Law with Steven Seagal at some point. When that came out and I realized like, okay, here's another version of a Bruce Lee where he's got the same confidence for sure. Uh he seems to be very in control of these situations, but his movement is completely different. His body type is completely different. But I have no idea what he's doing. He's not doing the high kicks. He's not taking off his shirt much. Uh, What's this? So that got me into the Aikido uh, world. I went looking for that outside the garage is the point. So Bruce Lee got me into martial arts. And then Steve Seagal, above the law, got me out of my garage and started looking for an actual teacher in an actual school.
0: Nice. And then where did you find that actual first
1: school? Well, at the time, I could not find any Aikido. It wasn't uh, as popular uh, at the time. It was still growing. Um, But I did find a Taekwondo school. Okay. was accessible and i didn't know anything about taekwondo but they had a weight set so i thought well even if i don't know what this art is at least i can lift weights while i'm here so that's something i'll get something for my money so i started with the taekwondo it was the itf uh, version um and i just fell in love with that process right off the bat i was like oh I, I wasn't from a military family and there's something about the get in line and shut your mouth and here's the way this works. You got to know this to get that. And I, I just kind of, I really liked the, I was very compulsive about that. Oh, okay. How do you get that stripe? How do you get that belt? And, uh, fell in love with that whole system. Uh, and for, you know, four years plus, that was, uh, that was pretty good. I was happy with that. Nice.
0: And what rank did you get to in the, in ITF?
1: I just earned my first degree in okay. that. And, uh, but by that time, I mean, I knew somewhere in the, in the high reds or whatever it was before black belt that, I'll finish this up. I'll get to the black belt because that was like the compulsive side of it. But I could tell that I wanted something a little bit different than the than the Taekwondo format. Again, no hating on Taekwondo. I've made videos about that before. Uh, It changed my life and I believe it still changes many people's lives for the better. But um, but for my development, it got me to a place where I was like, okay, that got me this far. I think I need to go someplace else to go to the next step. And um, that's what I did. I moved out to Los Angeles and uh spent some time just looking around at every style had a better idea of what i was looking for i'd also taken a little aikido at that time because as it happened the taekwondo school that i found eventually hosted an aikido teacher so for the last three years uh, well three of the four years i was in that taekwondo school i was also doing aikido on a part-time basis on the side so i kind of got to see two very different arts up close and then realized that, that neither one would take me exactly where i wanted to go
0: okay so just to back up a little bit now, I'm assuming you said above the law. So I'm assuming when you started Taekwondo, uh, I was in the mid to late 80s, probably.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah.
0: For some of our younger listeners, talk a little bit about what some of those classes were like back then. I started Taekwondo in 92 and, and I okay. heard I heard the stories about, you know, the 70s, 80s and, and just how it changed each decade. And just, just a little bit about what, what the experience is like in some of those classes back then in the mid to
1: late 80s. Sure. Sure. Well, um, this was ITF and this was under the lineage of uh, Park jong Su, who's one of the, the, the first uh, first real powerful figures in the Taekwondo world. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the style itself was kind of old school, uh, low stances, long, strong, big hip movements, not like the walking stances and the uh, more bouncy style of sparring that uh, is far more popular now. So very much like Shotokan, very mm-hmm. much uh, had that kind of aesthetic to it. I, I'm not going to tell any kind of stories like, oh, it was really blood and guts. Then we were <laughs> smashed into block walls, knuckle pushups. No, it wasn't like that. It was a it was a it was a very I, I was lucky to find a really good teacher who was patient with me as I was trying to figure out my young manhood. And again, it was just enough discipline to change my life, uh, but not too much to break me and scare me off. And I think, yeah, so I'm not sure what else. Yeah, I, I don't recall too many uh, concussions. I don't recall being dragged out unconscious very often. But <laughs> but for me, it was more of the emotional challenge of just. Shutting up, listening, following directions, meeting someone else's standards, uh being told that's not good enough and having to come back and suck that up. I had a lot of ego. I was very cocky and to have that. Because you know, Bruce Lee made me cocky, because he was cocky. So (laughs) I was like, oh, that's the way to be. I'm in my garage. I can do anything I want. I'm the king of the world. And then when you get into a school and you're a white belt, that's you can't come in with that attitude. That was quite the opposite. So that was a real culture shock. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, hang on. You can't run around here and you're not the king. So, again, so emotionally and psychologically, that's really what changed my life by going through the Taekwondo program, the physical fitness aspects. You know, I was I was already in pretty good shape. So that wasn't so much about that. So for me, that's what I would emphasize. It was just the the discipline and the character building that really changed me. Nice. I like that.
0: All right. Then you you said you moved to L.A. And then what uh, after experimenting and looking around a little what 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 was the next school or style you settled on?
1: Yeah, well, I eventually, uh, it took me a while to find it. I gave everything a fair chance. Uh, I knew better what I was looking for, which is definitely something a little more self-defense oriented, a little more hands-on, a little more partner practice, um, going to the ground, throws, sweeps. I wanted the whole thing. Hapkido came close, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. And eventually I found kind of a, a lesser-known style, a sister art of Choi Lee-Foot called Sun Tzu. And uh, it's, it was very big in L.A. for a time and uh yeah and that one's held my interest all this time i'm still involved wow. with that art i still uh, follow a lot of those principles and of course I've added on some things along the way but uh yeah i kind of switched over to being a, i'll call it say a kung fu man <laughs>
0: okay nice and then uh, at one point in your martial arts career did, did teaching become an interest of yours when did you start like teaching in, and obviously in your garage you were working out with friends i'm assuming there was some teaching involved in that but
1: sure Sure, yeah. I mean, to me, the teaching is is something natural. Maybe that's not true for everyone, but to me, teaching is synonymous with sharing. You just... If if in the garage, if okay. I'm the one who owns the book. I'm the one who saw this drill. So I guess I'll share what I just saw in this book. I'm not teaching. That might be a little bit arrogant, but Hey, I'll be the one who shows it today. Uh, but if someone's on a wrestling team and they have a cool double leg, they want to show well, great, well then let's share that. And then we have that kind of club feel, but then as you go along, of course, when you're in a ranked program, if you're the intermediate belt and there's a beginner, the instructor will often say, why don't you go show the beginner something that they can do. So you kind of take them under your wing and kind of let them follow you a little bit. And I just I I love that. I I find it very natural. I I, I guess that sounds like patting myself on the back. I enjoy the sharing of Mm -hmm. it. Uh, I figured out really early on that by explaining things and breaking things down to different people in different ways. It made my technique better because I had to understand it better. So uh, I I fell in love with that saying that teaching is learning twice. I say that to myself all the time. If you get a chance to teach good. Because now I get to learn it twice. I get to do it and I get to explain it. So I, I'm, I'm all for teaching and making people teach because uh, it gets them out of their own issues. And then seeing them seeing the same art from a different perspective, their students perspective. And I've just never stopped eventually making it more of a. A professional
0: interest yeah i know one thing one thing i noticed was i went back one time and looked at my my notebook from my first i forgot how many belts mm. probably through blue or purple belt before i started helping teach in class and then i looked at my notes afterwards from the same techniques and just so different how you explain it once you've taught it to other people <laughs> just you know for myself it was so basic when it was just myself and then it was so more in depth when, after i started teaching it so yeah it definitely improves your technique Absolutely. immensely
1: and I think at some point, any martial artist who's listening to this, you you have to make that decision whether you're into martial arts for yourself or you're into it for also bringing others along with you. Whether that means just being a great senior class uh, member to help people in your own school, a good role model, or that means opening up your own school, your own club. Because there's a big difference between coming to class and just getting the information that you particularly need, that I want. It's just all about me. I'm just trying to develop myself. And that's fine. Or Do I need to not only learn this lesson to make it work for me, but how do I make this work if I'm smaller or bigger or slower or less athletic or older or scared or aggressive? You have to kind of look at every technique from everybody's point of view. Which, again, I think gives you a deeper understanding of the art overall anyway. So there's an advantage to it. But, um, yeah, if you want to be a professional teacher, you have to have that extra part of your notebook where you're making those extra notes. Like, well, if you're smaller, do it this way. If you're bigger, try it that way. You need to have that part of your brain open, I think, all the time.
0: So what do you think has changed about your teaching style over the years?
1: I'm definitely more patient. um, And I guess that also means I'm more patient with myself. It's all kind of mirrors each other. I, I, I used to really think that people were lazy or um, not paying attention if they didn't get it right away. And of course, I didn't get things right away. I'm kind of a slow learner myself. But once I get it, I like to think I've got it. But I, you know, I'm not the quickest to pick things up. I'm not really a natural athlete. So over time, having worked with a large number of students now I, I really see the range of different issues that people come to you with whether that's just the physical but usually it's more the psychological or the emotional uh, whether it's body awareness or whether it's fear of something or they've had an injury that they're trying to protect and you don't even know about it it's an emotional injury something happened to them when they were a kid or in high school or just the other day and a lot of those things people don't even tell you they don't present and say okay here are all my darkest most scarred uh, memories." They they just show up and if anything, put on an opposite front. They say, Oh, everything's fine. I want to do this. But then their actions are completely the opposite. They're not working on it. They're not listening. They're not doing what you thought. And so in the old days, I used to just assign that to kind of low character, like, oh, well, you're just you're a liar or you're lazy or there's something wrong with you. And now I realize, oh no, no, no. Because I'm only looking at it one way, like it's just a physical thing. Just come in and do this. Now I see how linked physicality is to the emotional side of you and the psychological side of you. And if you're not as a teacher sensitive to that, then you'll lose the student or you're just going to make their lives worse because you keep frustrating them with a standard that they can't meet. So you do have to kind of back up a second and say, huh, I know that they've heard me say this. I can see they're kind of doing it, but they're not quite in it. Why is the question? And then start finding out clever ways to get them to talk a little bit or to start assessing their personality a little bit and say, huh, why do you always back off when it comes to physical contact? Why does the loud voice frighten you? Why do you shut down when the technique becomes multiple steps instead of a single step? I mean, there's a million different variations on it, but ultimately I've become far more interested in the person as a whole than just, Hey, let's talk about techniques and teach techniques. I like that.
0: When did the decision come to decide to open your own school?
1: Um, well, it's just kind of that organic thing. Um, when I, I was lucky enough uh, being in LA to, to find uh, Don Barnes, karate kids, a family owned, uh, string of martial arts schools, catered to kids. And when I had a chance to uh, own one of those locations, I thought that would be great along the way, uh, being able to train all the staff and work with the staff and then have my own private clients on the side with adults. It's just, it was the next natural step. I mean, I I do believe that you should, if you really can, if you can make a living with martial arts, then why not? It only makes me a better, I think, teacher to practice as much as I possibly can. So, uh, you know, again, if you, (laughs) I I feel bad with your teacher who loves martial arts, but you have to have this other nine to five and you'd rather be training, you'd rather be practicing, and you're bringing as much as you can to your students. But when you're a teacher at heart, you're a sharer. You want to share as much as you can. So if you can set your life up in a way where you can be a professional teacher, have your own school, I'm still very motivated to do that because that only gives me more time to research things, experiment with things, and then come back and share more things. So uh, it just seems necessary at this point. I'm going to... Still fight like hell to get a new school going here in my new home, and uh after COVID, yeah. and um keep that dream alive. I really don't want to, have to step backwards and step out of the martial arts to make a living.
0: I suppose when you're used to it, doing it for that long, and and so is it? Is it a lot more opened up out there in Raleigh? I suppose since it's been almost two years since COVID hit us. I mean, is it a good possibility you can get well, something going for
1: uh, six months? We've been out here six months, my mm-hmm. wife and I, and um, I'm, I'm hesitant to sign a five year lease at the moment. Right. Um, because that was it's very difficult to deal with landlords that get multiple locations, and that's always a nightmare. Each one has its own separate uh, <laughs> nightmare to try to break a lease or, hey, you know, give us some relief here, you know we're all suffering. So to jump into a brand new lease situation where I'm not sure if there's a new uh, variance coming through and people are gonna be shut down again or locked down again, it's not a great time, I think, to sign a lease. Right. However, and i also wasn't sure if we we're gonna stay in the area we just moved all the way across the country so my wife and i kind of gave ourselves a little float time to get to know the area get to know uh what's needed here if, if there's any call for what i would like to offer so we're at the end of that period now it's the end of the year so it's new year uh now's the time to start planting some roots and i, I think we're gearing up now for the new year to uh start looking around start uh, maybe renting a facility from someone else and uh, build up uh, build up a student body oh, yes. there you go yeah
0: and, and a lot of times i mean uh, like in, in my area uh, over the last 10 years there has been a lot more of like school sharing spaces where you, ha- you, know, you have a taekwondo school a boxing school and a hapkido school under the same roof you know each doing two nights a week <laughs> type thing so I
1: think it could be a hidden blessing in that respect um uh, to bring martial arts together like it or not <laughs> yeah exactly uh, break down some walls i think that's always great I, I love i love that idea that you could have stuff like a college because the, the first school that i found i'm kind of spoiled because usually you hear the story in the old days where you know no one was allowed to cross train and uh-huh. you know it was very very segmented but um i grew up in that school that first school that i found technically it was a judo school that was renting out its mats to a taekwondo program and an aikido program yes. and eventually an old japanese style jujitsu so yeah of course there's a little bit of backbiting and sneering at each other but we're all under the same roof and you can't help but interact with each other and kind of go to each other's seminars and pick up a little of this, a little of that. So there was always, I I grew up with the idea that, Oh, we could all get along and and learn from each other. So uh, nowadays that's become far more uh, prevalent to see movie time, DJJ, MMA, uh, all kind of mixing up together um, that model. So I, I think that's great. And if, Covid has forced some people to join forces. Then, uh, terrific.
0: The the current Taekwondo instructor that I've been with since '94. That's my core style, and we have take part. Like you said, we, we we've done seminars with like 15 different styles, a full weekend seminar, and bringing in people who right. do, you know, who do Hapkido and Judo and Aikido and Kumdo and Aido and all kinds of styles, and just together sharing knowledge and stuff. And it's to me that's what martial arts is about. So.
1: I, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, like oh yeah but I I try to get that message out all as much as I can, uh, like on YouTube comments when people come in hot for one style over another. And I'm like, you know, the battle here is not from one martial arts style against another. The battle is all martial artists against all the non-martial artists, the people who think we're all crazy. They don't know what (laughs) style you're part of. Either you're representing martial arts as a whole well, or you're not. And if you're sitting around insulting each other and bashing each other, you're just making the whole, everybody look bad. It doesn't we should all be standing together uh, to get as many people involved into the arts in general as possible. I don't care. And I've always believed that. I mean, I I mean, as many I meet as many martial artists as I can. So if I have a student and they say, oh, I really want to bang, I want to stand and punch and bang, bang, bang. Like, you know, I'm not going to do that with you. But I know a gym. I know this guy. He's great. You should go over there. I have no problem with that. To me, it's you should know everyone in your community so you can help refer each other like a doctor. It's like, okay, well, you need a surgery on this. That's the specialist. You should go over there for that. Oh, you want to do ground stuff. Well, you should go over there and do that. We should all help each other in that way.
0: Yeah. And in the same way, whenever I hear a new school opening in my area, you know, I'm lucky in the area I'm in, we have about 30 to 35 martial arts schools within about a 30 mile radius. And whenever wow. I hear a new one opening, I always reach out and just, you know, Hey, welcome. I you know, go in and introduce, cool. introduce myself. and like, Hey, anything we can do. And of course, now, of course, I was like, Hey, I have a podcast. If you want to come on and talk about your school and stuff like that and, and, you know, and whatever, but yeah, it's, it's for the most part, m- most of them take a while, well, a couple are a little standoffish and stuff. You know, they're, it's a few of them are like, you know, our style and our style only, and they won't go to any open events or any other tournaments. And like, uh-huh. well, then you're not going to grow. So. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I love that you make that gesture. That's really wonderful.
0: So talk about the podcast, kind of you know, how the idea came from and, and, and just talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, Perhaps like you, I don't know, because you've started right off with interviews, and I I didn't. (laughs) Uh, It was really more of a matter of, God, I love this stuff so much. And again, I'd like to share if I can, and um, I like to talk, and I I like to go as deep as I can. My wife doesn't want to hear one word of this crap, so (laughs) I (laughs) was like, what else can I do? And this wonderful technology exists, I'm like, well... I think I could do that. I just sit with a microphone and talk about things that I think are important or meaningful or change my life. It to me, it's just another form of sharing uh, in a different format. And um, yeah, so I started that a number of years ago. Now I try to do one, one a month uh, for all these years. And um, it's just been a nice little uh, retreat for myself just to kind of say, okay, I got something on my mind. I'd like to just go off on this for a while and uh, get it off my chest, put it out there. And um, yeah, you know, we're not uh, setting records or anything like that, but uh the people that I meet through the podcast who come to me from the podcast audience, we always have, a, I think, a very nice relationship because that this format gives you that chance to really go deep. When you have people trapped in their car for half an hour or longer uh, on a trip or a plane, whatever they've downloaded, wherever they've downloaded it to. It's such a nice format, you know, in right in someone's ear, that nice feeling of just intimacy where you can really just speak heart to heart. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the format. So uh, congratulations on your show. Oh, thank you.
0: And, and just for, for the listeners, yours it's called Fight for a Happy Life, which is, yeah. it's, it's a good show. I, I mean, check it out. I've listened to about seven, eight episodes so far, and it's it's one I've subscribed to. And my problem is I subscribe to about 40 podcasts So to try to get through all of them. But but I know you mentioned,
1: might be yeah, to choose from. exactly. Of the to There's be
0: so many good ones and so, and so many good martial arts yeah. ones too. But but like me, like my podcast came from, I actually had the idea for a radio show back in the mid nineties when I was working in radio and i couldn't get any stations to do it and i just kind of kept it in the back of my head i tried every few years and finally when you know i talked about the podcast and finally when covid hit i'm like you know now's the time to do it and i went and i actually pre-recorded 25 interviews before i launched the show and just started dropping an episode a week so <laughs> wow
1: oh, you are patient yeah. that's incredible
0: i know i'm i'm at i think i just released episode 40 or 41 last week so congratulations so yeah it's fun. I mean, it's, and I try to do it. It's, it's a mixture of people that a lot of the guests have never heard of and, and mixed in with people that a lot of them probably have heard of. I've been lucky to get some, some big names, but I've also interviewed all my previous instructors. I interviewed my first Sido instructor, my first Shotokan instructor, you know, my Hapkido instructor. So it's... <laughs> You know, a nice, I love I,
1: that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been fun. And like I, said, I just love, and like I said, I worked in radio for 30 years, so the interview part's easy for me. I had all the equipment because I also do voiceover. So I have a full studio, and I've been ready to do it and stuff. And <laughs> and I love talking to people. But kind of like you, I don't think my wife's ever listened to enough. I actually host three completely separate podcasts that have nothing to do with each other, and I don't think my wife's ever listened to one of them. So <laughs> I probably, probably – I feel you, a, brother. I yeah, get you. I know. I've d- probably done a total of – let's see. This one's at 40. The other one's at – Around thirty-five, and the other one just hit episode. I think ninety or ninety-one, and yeah, she hasn't listened to any of them yet. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> funny, huh?
0: <laughs> I tell you, wives. But... <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I don't. You want to make a comment just on the off chance she hears me right now talking? I don't want to get trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So now you also mentioned you, you, you know, uh, Sansu is your your main style right now, but you, and you also mentioned you blended in some other stuff. What are some of the other styles you blended in over the years and that you, you
1: that Oh, you, well you, I had to do, uh, I've been doing the Brazilian jiu-jitsu for over 10 years okay. uh, up until COVID for sure. Um, that kind of slows things down. Um, at least for me, I shouldn't say for everybody. Some didn't, but I chose to not partake during that uh, lockdown year. And uh, Sistema, I've been I've been dabbling with that for several years now. It's, it's, and, and now since I've gotten to Raleigh, uh, I was a really talented teacher out here, T.W. Smith, who also has a podcast, Kung Fu podcast, shout out to him. Uh, he's been very patient with the Tai Chi, Bagua, Xingyi, type arts um so yeah no i I try to again try to try to do a little bit of everything but i don't mean to say do as in oh yeah i do all these different styles i mean just put myself into situations where things are done a little differently and just to see what sticks to me and what does not and um i I have no intention of teaching most of these things right but really just, just kind of hunting for experiences just to kind of figure out Is there a slightly quicker way to get control of your breath? Is there a slightly different way for me to get over this issue I have with X, Y, or Z? Because to me, every style is just a different set of priorities and training methodologies. Ultimately, it's all either you're going to punch that guy in the face or you're not. Either You're going to choke that guy or you're not. It's not that precious to me like, oh, that style is different than that style. I, I don't see it like that, really. I think if you stick around and you're an honest student, you can pretty much dig up everything from any style. But what's different is what do you start with and what exercises have they developed to bring out certain qualities in you. And that's what I'm fascinated by. I, I don't really like saying, oh, I am this style. or I just do that style. You're a person first. All the styles are just tools underneath that, that you're choosing to bring out different parts of you. And I know what my priorities are. And now I'm just looking for different methodologies to help me bring out those qualities. So I may say, well, I don't like Tai Chi, but I like this push hands drill as a bridge to sparring. I like that particular part of Tai Chi, you know, for example. So that's why I'm always interested in some guy's video or some seminar near me or anybody I can catch. Someone sees me doing a workout in the park and they want to come over and talk. I'm more than happy. to say, well, Let's talk. Let's share. Let's see what you're what you're into, because there might be some little tip or turn of phrase or an exercise that. Helps me with my cause. So share and share alike.
0: 100%. That's why I love talking to other martial artists. I mean, I had great experience about 15 years ago. I used to judge MMA and I was judging an MMA fight. And one of the guys in the commission, we were just chatting before the fights and turned out he was a, a boxing coach and he had actually trained some some big name boxers over the years and stuff. He trained Virgil Hill and stuff like that. And and we I was mm-hmm. we, we were kind of joking. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm too old to learn how to kick. And I go, I make you a deal. I'll teach you how to kick, and you teach me some boxing drills. And we got together five days a week at 5 a.m. for six months. And I taught him how to kick, and he ran me through boxing drills. And it was some of the best workouts of my life. Very so cool. so much fun. <laughs>
1: And so beautiful. It's such an organic way to meet somebody and just sort of get to know each other and then trade and make each other's lives better that way. And yep. you know, that, that's that's it's hard to do that like just in a in a formal saying, Well, I'm gonna have a business plan now, I'm gonna open up a school and hope that all these people have a great experience and but at the, at the heart of it that's it's just you meeting another guy another human being you kind of share some experiences you make each other better that's even more beautiful <laughs> Yeah, i love it that.
0: and he actually wasn't a bad kicker <laughs> once we you know after about a month he had a i mean i probably wanted to enter him in a kickboxing match but he, he, he learned how to throw kicks pretty well so <laughs> it was it was yeah. and we had fun that was the important thing <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and i'm sure you could throw a pretty decent punch as well so yeah. i'm sure you both were helpful to each other and both had some skills anyway
0: definitely definitely so what advice would you give someone who approached you that they've never done martial arts in their life and they're thinking of getting involved and they want to know what, well, you know, what should I look for in a school? What should I look for in an instructor? And maybe some things I should avoid.
1: Well, uh, I get that question all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the first thing is going to be the age uh, asking for someone's child, I think is different than asking for an adult who's going to be the actual person taking the class. But in either case, the one thing that I think is always important is prioritize the teacher first uh the teacher and the culture that that teacher allows in the school before you consider the style you may say oh i have to do bjj all my friends tell me that bjj is the greatest self-defense art in the world but the only school near you has really just a culture that you do not vibe with maybe they're a super competitive school and it's a bunch of young bucks in there and maybe you're in your 40s and you're getting banged up too much and the teacher doesn't care and it's all go 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 and who cares that might turn you off of all martial arts forever because you had a bad experience. And I know people like that. I went in and they popped my shoulder in the first month I was there and I'm never going to do it again. It's like, God, that's horrible. Whereas if you say, well, if you're interested in martial arts, you know, here's the thing. It's not really so much about the style in the beginning, because if you haven't trained at all in the beginning, no matter what art you're in, you're going to have to get to know your body better you're going to be learning about your balance your breath control the feeling of competition being able to follow directions having the discipline to keep showing up and to work out at home and to supplement your training all of those things are modular they fit into any martial arts style there is so in the beginning i don't think it's as important what style you go sign up for it's important that you find a vibe when you walk in where you go i feel safe here i feel comfortable here so now i can let my guard down a little bit and become a good student and again, for that first year or two, you're just going to be learning how to breathe and stand and use your body better. Then as you get through that period, you'll be smarter about, OK, now what do I really want to do now that I feel in touch with my body and I don't feel as afraid of my uh, with my, my my issues? You know, do I want to stay here and keep developing? Do I actually appreciate this style? Do I need to just to supplement something else a little bit on the side or do I now see? I think there's a whole other path that I should be taking, which is what happened to me with Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so my first advice would just be when you walk in and you talk to that teacher and you just get that vibe like, am I safe? Are these guys uh, seemingly inspiring uh, and gals or do I feel oppressed? Do I feel like I'm gonna get hurt here? Do I feel it's just not, this is not for me. Maybe someday it will be, but right now it's not. So I don't want anything that's gonna keep me from making that drive to get to class. So focus on the culture first. Is that enough? Is that a good answer? <laughs> oh, that's a great <laughs> that's answer.
0: <laughs> no, that's definitely, that's it's one thing I told my guest yesterday that after my first four or five episodes, I thought I'd drop in that question because it was, I wasn't getting enough variety in answers. And then suddenly I got like a completely different answer. And then like every answer was so different. So that's, no, that's ah. it's just, I, I love it because it's, it's, it's an opinion. <laughs> it's the one thing you, you just never know. Uh, and sure. it's you got to take what, uh, take what you get. And if people are listening to this that are interested and, Hopefully they'll get a little bit from each of my guests and, and make a wise decision. So.
1: Yeah, I hope so. And the other thing, I, I don't think anyone can judge it too much. I think it's like uh, it's like pizza. I, I could tell you, hey, let me take you to the best pizza place in town. You might say, no, I don't like that pizza. I can't sit here and argue with you about it to explain to <laughs> you why my opinions about this pizza is better than your opinion about it. That's impossible. Because, I do, again, people are presenting one way but their true nature might be something else. So someone might say, oh, I really want to do MMA. But when they go to the MMA gym, it's absolutely terrifying to them and they're not ready to step in that, that world yet. Right. So they, oh, but you know what? I found this Tai Chi group over here that I really liked on weekends. You go, okay, great. <laughs> Good for you. To me, that's why it doesn't, I don't care what you start with, just get started. And then you're going to figure out along the way what fits you for real, not what you just said you want to do, but for real, what can you handle right now? And then hopefully that's any program is going to take you to the next step where you feel a little braver and a little bit you can take on a bigger challenge and then maybe work up to something a little bit more intense. Oh, but in the you. beginning, I wouldn't judge it. You say hey, either I like it or I don't. I, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to explain it to anybody. I feel comfortable here. This is where I'm signing up. And that's it. Don't, you don't have to talk about it again. Just do that. Nice.
0: Although, if you do say pineapple goes on pizza, I'll, I'll be arguing with you till the day's end. So, <laughs> could do a whole podcast just on that. Come on.
1: Oh, <laughs> right, we'll invite you back for that one. I'm ready for you. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. All right.
0: So, you've studied. You know, most of your career and most of your martial arts life has been in traditional martial arts, self defense based martial arts. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan?
1: Yeah, of course. I'm absolutely a fan. I mean, combative sports, competition sports in general. I mean, if if you like boxing why not like MMA if you like watching kickboxing why not like MMA if you like watching wrestling why not like MMA Mm -hmm. to me it's uh yeah absolutely I'm a fan from the first one uh, to the current uh, state of it so different but um I love seeing two people put it on the line and just uh, take big chances now that said the only downside to me is again I'm not an elite athlete and most people I know are not elite athletes so the only trick for me is always differentiating between spectator sport and participation right. sport i don't want people that's why i was really I, I'm, I was not a big fan of karate being the olympics i'm not a fan of traditional march uh, arts being uh, portrayed as sports because it starts giving off to me my opinion uh it gives the impression that martial arts is only for young talented athletic types And it should be for everyone. As a matter of fact, it's the person who's not young, strong, and athletic who needs the martial arts more than the big athletic guy. Those guys who are in MMA now as professional fighters, they could be excelling in many different sports. Those guys are stud athletes and and ladies. They're all, like, elite athletes. It happens that they chose the fighting arts. Good. That's fun to watch. But for anyone watching, I think it's just like me watching, like, Olympic gymnasts. Every time I see the Olympics and I watch gymnastics, I think, wow, <laughs> yeah. they're amazing. There's no way in hell I could ever do any of that. <laughs> There's no chance I'm ever going to sign up at a gymnastics school, but I sure do like watching it. So that's the participant factor. Yep. So I I think that MMA attracts far more participants uh, or spectators rather than participants which then doesn't really help the traditional world at all. If anything is probably working against it. Um, So I wish that there was some other way. And that's where maybe where YouTube videos come in and tutorials come in and online courses and classes come in because that's for everybody. YouTube is for everybody. And that gives people like me a chance to maybe get someone's attention and say, Hey, I'm not a big athletic guy. So, but I'm still into martial arts. And so if you're interested in martial arts, it's not just about that big sport over there with those elite guys There's also people like me doing it. So if you like my vibe, come over and let's do it. Let's do martial arts together. So that to me is the the pro side is it's fun to watch this as a spectator. But the downside is I don't think it I don't think it scares a lot of people away thinking, oh, that's what martial arts is nowadays. You have to do that. And it's not at all.
0: No, I love that answer. That's a great answer. So can you pick one or two martial artists that you truly admire, whether it's someone you've actually trained with and met, or like you mentioned Bruce Lee earlier or something like that, is there one or two that you put on a pedestal?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, I admire anybody over 60 who's still doing martial arts. Give me their, their rundown. Oh, I started in this, now I'm doing that. Then I broke this and I had surgery on that, but I'm still going to my class and, so right off the bat, because I'm 51 now, mm-hmm. just looking down the road, I have more and more respect for people who are still doing it because increasingly I'm feeling the pain. I get the energy lost. The recoveries are longer. So when I see people older than I am still on the path, I don't care who they are. I'm already going like, wow, yep. good for you. That makes me feel better, too. So that's a big general one. Uh, a subheading under them would be the people who are my teachers, people who aren't famous uh, mostly. And how can you ever have enough gratitude or respect for the people who've personally changed your life, who've opened up doors to yourself that you had no idea were even there? So, I, I you know, your personal teachers, I think, are always going to be your most inspiring figures. People in the movies, that, you know, whatever. That's when I was a kid. <laughs> that's when I was looking for role models back then. There's nobody yep. in the movies now that look at go, Oh, wow. I got to do that. It's a, those are movie stars now. I understand that better. Although Bruce Lee, as someone as a human being, was breaking down barriers in real life and doing all kinds of cool things in his real life, uh, multinational and all that kind of stuff. Um, so he was ahead of his time in a lot of different ways. So you could hold him up still as a, as a pretty good role model uh, on those fronts. But, yeah, so I, I would go with first anybody who's older than 60. Old, anybody who's older than I am still training to my teachers personally, absolutely. And, um, gee, outside of that, uh, can you No, I respect no one else. That's it. Nice. That's good. Well,
0: it's funny. You you mentioned people over 60. I just interviewed last week, uh, Ron Van Cleef, who's a 79 and still, still training, still rolling in BJJ almost daily and stuff. And inspiring.
1: Absolutely. It just takes away all your excuses, you know, because right? I, I, we all feel sorry for ourselves at some point. Oh, my knee's torn again. Or, oh, my shoulder's still tight. I got arthritis. It's so easy to fall into that. Yep. But what's the point of all this martial training, all this warrior spirit training if you're down because you have to have a little brace or a Band-Aid or you have to take an Advil once in a while? It's like that that should not be enough to stop you i'm not saying injure yourself and be yeah. reckless with your body on the contrary it's self-defense defend what you've got but if you're not getting some benefits out of that process you're either doing it wrong or maybe you should stop and that's why i still talk to other martial artists i'm still interested in being a student first before teaching because i have to manage this now older body and uh <laughs> and figure that stuff out. And the only people who can show me that are people older than I am. So I have to make them my first priority to seek out the older people. There's no point going to some 25 year old who just won some uh, big martial arts championship and go, Oh, I want to study with that guy. Cause he has no idea what I'm dealing with. So yeah, I would go after the older fellas who are still going at it. Those they're, they're, they're the best teachers at this point for me. Nice. I
0: know the whole reason I told this a few times, the whole reason my mom got involved in martial arts at over 40 and got her black belt is because she came to watch a demonstration I was in. And one of our students was a 73 year old woman getting ready to test for her black belt. And my mom signed up the next day. So is that
1: right? That yeah. makes me cry. That's yeah. Absolutely it's like, fantastic. if she
0: can do it, I can do it. I'm like, damn right. You can mom. Oh, Good for her. Yeah. Good
1: yeah. for your old. That's yeah. amazing.
0: It was cool. It's awesome. cool. So then in all your years of martial arts, is there a like one philosophy that really stands out that you keep coming back to you, you instill in your own students. That's really important
1: to you in your everyday life. Oh boy. So many, uh, there's so many. you know, bottom line at this point is show up, just participate, get into it. Uh, it doesn't, I think sometimes, like I said, we beat ourselves up and think, well, I'm kind of tired, so I won't go to class. Oh, I got this nagging injury, so I'm not going to go to class. Oh, I can't even work out right now. I'd only be able to sit there and watch. Yeah, well, then go and sit there and watch, go and listen, take notes. You can still ask, ask questions, observe. There are so many ways to learn where you're, you're not at 100%. At this point, you're never going to be at 100%. I don't think anybody feels at 100%. Um, there's always some emotional, psychological, or physical issue that you can lean on and say, well, here's why I'm not going to go full blast there. Here's why I'm not going to participate. But that is the, the biggest mistake you can make. We have very limited time. The only way to get good at anything is to put the time in. So any day that you let go by where you have not done something, and like I I always say in my podcast, even a little martial arts makes life a whole lot better. And if if it doesn't, then you're doing it wrong. Take that time, do 10 push-ups, throw 10 kicks, do something every day because that little bit of time is what adds up, adds up, adds up. Uh, So that's the number one thing, just show up. And that doesn't mean necessarily drive across town and show up at an expensive class, show up for yourself, show up when you wake up, Hey, get into your horse dance, throw, do that form that, you know, that you remember, go hit the bag you got downstairs. It's got dust on it. Just get into the discipline of showing up and doing something. So when you go to bed that night, you can go, well, at least I did that. And then the next day you have something you can build on. Even if it's small, that's okay. Um, We have big days, big energy and small days with small energy, but just do a little something Cause that's ultimately what builds that confidence to go. Like I am a martial artist. I've trained every day of my life for the last 30 plus years. That's where I get my confidence from. It can't be, well, I took four years off here and I took two months off for that. Oh, and good. I had to go to the holidays. So that was a month off. It's like, no, 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 you're missing. You're missing out. You're missing out. I just sure show up. Love it.
0: All right. Got a few, few fun ones to wrap it up here. Favorite martial arts book. Woo,
1: boy. So many. And, uh, and I'll admit that the books were more important to me when I was a younger man. As I've gotten older, I'm kind of more focused on writing my own stuff, whether that's scripts or podcasts or uh, working on a book myself. You know, the one I did have time to read uh, over the lockdowns, I had a little more time. I went back and I dug up uh, My Way of Life by Gichin Funakoshi. Um, nice. And, of course, I have all the classics, you know, Book of Five Rings and Daoji Kondo and all these things. But that one, I, I, you know, it's easy to make fun of Shotokan for some people. And and uh, Gichi Funakoshi, you know, has got sometimes a reputation of not being a real fighter and all that stuff. But, again, I'm more interested in how someone was able to take an art that was just a locally known little kind of under the, under the radar activity in Okinawa. And somehow, you know, working through Itosu's uh, footsteps, was able to bring that into japan and have this become in his lifetime something that became kind of a, a worldwide phenomenon and made martial arts mainstream in sense in the university system in other countries and had that to be the guy telling his own story that's why that book i thought was fascinating does have any insight into how did that happen how do you go from this little hobby a couple of old guys in your village to making this something that the emperor of japan says oh we got to do this and then it's being promulgated all over the world. And I just think it's a great, inspiring story, whether you like the style or you think much of him, you can't deny that he just, uh, he played a huge part in the history of martial arts. Uh, The Gracie's have now repeated that kind of thing, being able to make a name and popularize the martial art, probably Gaza, modern thing, Taekwondo is relatively modern. So there are all these other arts that have now been able to follow in some type of footsteps to figure out how do you share? How do you share what you love on a wider scale Especially when it's something that seems so uh, bizarre. Are you wearing different clothes? and You have these belts and you're yelling at each other and you're punching and kicking each other. How do you make that popular? How do you get that into strip malls nowadays where kids can do this stuff? Where did that start? So my way of life by Gichu Funakoshi was a nice kind of walk down memory lane to see how he did that in part.
0: I need to reread that. I haven't read that in probably 20 years. I need to dig. dig yeah, exactly. Copy. Yeah. It did overlook,
1: but uh, I thought it was interesting.
0: Nice. All right. So this one, I you're, you're kind of like me. You were a kid of the 80s. You're around my age. So did you have a favorite martial arts video game?
1: Yeah. You know, video games, uh, I'll tell you quite honestly, I don't have one only okay. because I have a kind of a compulsive personality and I had the first generation Atari and uh or one of those early ones that had asteroids on it and um i could not stop playing and i kept trying to flip that board i don't know if the kids still do the flipping of the score things it couldn't go past a certain number (laughs) yet it would flip so if i had the calluses uh, carpal tunnel syndrome i couldn't get out of my bedroom i recognized early on even as a teen, like Holy moly, days are going by here and I can't get out of here. I I can't stop playing this. So I kind of just like with drinking or anything else. I said, I I cannot allow these things into my life because I have zero control over it. Uh, They're too addictive. So I purposely stayed away. I know there's all these cool games and that would make it even worse. I've seen these graphics nowadays. I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) I would never stop playing this if I got into it. So with all respect sir i i am staying away from the video game. hey that's fine
0: hey speaking of asteroids man i i think my record was i i actually flipped it i I played asteroid for like five and a half straight hours and, and flipped it oh my god i was back back when i was like probably nine or ten years old
1: <laughs> yeah you understand you understand sickness oh yeah, sickness.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. It, was, it was fun man it was a new generation it was fun so all right yeah okay <laughs> favorite martial arts tv show TV show.
1: All right. I'm going to go. Oh, boy. TV show. Again, the ones that mean the most to you are the ones that because you were young and impressionable. So I'm going to go to that. Maybe most people wouldn't say. I'm going to say there was a show. Well, of course, uh, the Equalizer, the original one. And I, I call I, I consider that a martial arts show because he was some kind of special ops, whatever. But he was mm-hmm. old and not in great shape, but he dressed well and he drove the Jaguar. And I just thought every once in a while he would pull up one of these episodes where his tactics were excellent. He'd pull up the gun at the right time, go to the right angle, or he'd grab someone in a quick wrist lock. He was just doing these really quick things, even though he didn't look like a martial artist. And again, I've always thought martial arts should be for everyone, right. not just some stud. So I love the fact that there was like this old guy who just with his voice and his good clothing and a quick little move once in a while, you'd go, wow, this guy's dangerous. So I always, I like the equalizer.
0: Well, And and, then, and, uh, and for martial arts fans, you remember who played his son on that show? It was William <laughs> Zapka from Karate Kid.
1: Holy smoke.
0: Yeah, he wasn't in that many episodes, but yeah, William Zapka played his son.
1: The trivia new you. I got, oh, one, I, I'm bowing down. I still
0: watch know, reruns of Equalizer, man. I love that show.
1: That whole show, Stuart Copeland's soundtrack, the whole, that show just, man, I mean, the last season, they made him kind of yeah. stop wearing the suit up and it got weird, but in the other show, since you're a real aficionado here, the other show I'm going to go with, also not very popular and got canceled pretty fast, was uh, Stingray. Nick Mancuso, I think, was the actor in that. Wow, I forgot um, about that one. (laughs) Remember that show? Yeah, I do. Great opening, one of those Mike Post jobs, uh, and he drove a classic Corvette Stingray, of course, black and you know he's like the typical kind of cool hero dressed in all black in the shades he's but again he was not a big guy he was just like a, a a smart guy and there were a couple of scenes in that movie i remember in particular okay this got me going there was a, a mo- there was one particular scene where he was uh, going undercover as like a day worker out in the fields trying to infiltrate whatever the heck was going on and he ends up beating up a couple of the farmhands or whatever the hell was going on smugglers that were involved and the head guy brings him into the office and says something like i can't remember exactly but he says something like so you know who are you and why are you here because you're not a farmhand." and he's trying to play it like i don't know what you're talking about he goes you just beat up a couple of my best guys and there are no marks on your hand you used open hands so nobody here does that so what is that about so i love the idea that this guy was like such a great martial arts that he didn't even have to use his punches he was somehow wiping these guys out slick it was just i don't know there was something slick about that guy stingray on that tv show i'm getting all excited i gotta go back and find it on youtube or something
0: the reason i remember it is because i'll uh, pretty much any show that steven j connell did Stephen j Cannell did there some amazing shows in the 80s and 90s <laughs>
1: there you go yep and this so, was one of those less successful ones but it made an impression like oh yeah he's like a real batman he's got the black outfit the black card he can fight but He's not, uh, you know, (laughs) I'll tell you, I I
0: haven't searched, but you might be able to find it on the app or the website. Is it, it's called Tubby, T-U-B-I. So I've actually found some other Stephen J. Cannell shows on there. I found the, I remember the show Marker, Richard Grieco. Yeah. Richard Grieco and Marker. But I know like that one and some other Stephen J. Cannell stuff are on that site. So I've actually gone back and watched a few of those old shows.
1: I wrote that down. I will absolutely follow up. Nice.
0: All right. So favorite martial arts movie
1: oh brother Uh, okay i don't know if it counts or not but i'm gonna go rocky three i don't know if that counts as martial arts is boxing so what the heck i'm gonna throw Mm -hmm. it in there it's It's a a fighter's tale Uh, but rocky three i think has all the secrets of life to it i I think that movie is phenomenal (laughs) that's the one with mr t and um and going back to a train with apollo creed it's just there's so many little lines in there and moments there where you go wow i just feel that's a great movie and uh, and i'm also going to go on the other extreme i'll go to uh uh what is it Uh, kung fu panda because as i recall if i'm remembering the movie correctly the message at the end and i won't spoil it if anyone wants to go watch it but the message by the end of the movie was exactly right whether you're a super sophisticated martial artist uh, or or not it's just special sauce what the special sauce is in martial arts what the secret formula is kung fu panda i think presented that message really really well nice
0: I, I just thought of a new question. I think I'm going to add in a new question and start asking guests. How about favorite cheesy martial arts movie?
1: Oh, that's easy. That's Out for Justice. Oh, really?
0: Okay. <laughs> so, see, all, I,
1: I, <laughs> I, I would worship. actually,
0: I would actually go with Surf Ninjas myself.
1: <laughs> wow! Oh, I gotta look that up. Have you ever seen that?
0: Ernie Reyes Junior. Ernie Ray is Senior. Um, I think Leslie Nielsen might be in it. Um, wow! Yeah, yeah, okay. I actually, I actually met Ernie Ray Sr. and Ernie Ray Jr. right around the time that movie was being released. They were at a tournament and they were kind of promoting it and stuff. and I met them both, sure. and it's, just, it's so cheesy but so good.
1: <laughs> wow, there was also that one. Uh, now, now you're going really cheesy, I was still kind of going mainstream, <laughs> but um, that one, uh, what was his name? Bart Connor, the U.S. gymnast, Jim Cotta, Jim Cotta. Is that the name of it? Gymkata? Yep,
0: god, that was bad. <laughs>
1: bar in an alley and he's like fighting people by flipping around the pole oh my god i love that, <laughs> that
0: was, i wouldn't even call that cheesy that was just horrible i mean that was like that, that was bad like like no retreat no surrender i mean <laughs> you know, when the ghost of bruce lee comes back and trains the guy to fight john Claude van damme it's just horrible
1: <laughs> as well <laughs> hey we all like different stuff toppings on our pizza i'm not going to make fun of someone else's cheesy uh, favorite <laughs> well
0: speaking of a, a bad mar- and actually i found this on on tubby and rewatched it i haven't watched it in 30 years i don't know if you remember the movie rooftops with jason gedrick the guy from iron eagle but it was the uh, first movie i believe that had um, capoeira in it uh, they also oh. they, they actually called it combat dancing in there but uh
1: oh.
0: horrible movie
1: <laughs> but, well I, I, but it's
0: from the 80s so i watched oh. it again <laughs>
1: Wow. So, way back then, it was being represented in the 80s. Wow. Yeah, th- this
0: was probably three, four years before Only the Strong came out, I think.
1: Mark de Costco's? Yeah, right? Mark de the... Yep. Yeah, that was Only the Strong. Yeah, yeah. Remember that <clears throat> one? That one. Okay,
0: yeah, that's fair. True. Yeah. See, me, I'll watch any martial arts movie, any martial arts TV show. And some of the best martial arts TV shows, I think, are the ones that lasted like one season. They got, <laughs> they got canceled, you know, something. Like that. I guess Martial Law was like three seasons with Samuel Hong, but like The Master. I remember that. Yeah, The well, Master I in remember. the early 80s, Street well, Justice. You know
1: what? Yeah. <laughs> I worked as an extra on that show and I went out to LA on uh Really? Yeah, I was on the set on one of those uh one of those shows. So, so were you on <laughs> the,
0: the season with um, Arsenio Hall or the one before him?
1: I you know, we, when you go on an extra, they just bring you in on the okay. shuttle, you get dumped off, you're in your scene, you leave. I I, I try to watch that show. I, I think it was only I only caught a couple of the episodes. I don't remember Arsenio Hall in either one of them, so okay. I'm thinking it was the early
0: yeah, I think he came in on like season two or three or something like that. It only lasted like three seasons, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Samuel, Samuel Hunts an amazing martial artist. I really enjoyed that show. Oh,
1: absolutely. 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 Oh, I forgot about that. Holy smokes. Wow. <laughs> memory lane this is you are your standards are far lower than mine i really respect
0: that <laughs> definitely yeah I, I, one of these times i just need to do an episode i need to get like three four guys on here and just talk <laughs> about martial arts movies and tv shows and nothing else and we could probably go for like three hours talking about that stuff wow
1: but oh absolutely yeah that's so much good. fun oh, you know everything wow i'm way outclassed
0: I, I, I grew i grew up in the midwest in a small minnesota town and there was literally nothing to do especially in the winter <laughs> so you know sure. go to the vhs store rent a lot of movies go to anything at the movie theater right. you know whatever limited channels we had and stuff and yeah just i anything with martial arts I, I didn't you know the first big one of course was karate kid that's the whole reason i got involved in martial arts you know because yeah. of karate kid but i i watched all the, uh, the kung fu theater stuff and any of those just so much fun <laughs>
1: Sure. Well, thanks for supporting the whole industry You're making a lot of people uh, you're paying for a lot of mortgages. <laughs> That's good. That's
0: good, man. Well, Ando, I just, seriously, man, I want to thank you, man. This has been so much fun. I, I, I so much enjoyed having you on the show. And like I said, definitely, I, I will put a, put a link for your podcast and anything else you want me to put a link for in the notes. And and if you, uh, hopefully, if you get a you know, school up and running and stuff, and in a couple of years from now, come back on and, and talk about what else has been going on with you over the years. So.
1: I'd be honored, sir. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Your shows, uh, congratulations, and uh, thanks for all you're doing to help spread martial arts out
0: there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.